0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unbothered Podcast with Josh Morani. Now, those who might be listening or who have been listening to this podcast, Unbothered, I thought this was Get Your Goat. Well, I have officially rebranded my podcast. This is now the Unbothered uh, Podcast. No longer Get Your Goat uh, This was done for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, for rebrand purposes, to put my name in the podcast to get more uh, out there, so as to say, uh, you know, grow, and I thought this would be a good time to do this, switching podcast platforms, and then also, unbothered as well, I thought fit, especially since the definition of Unbothered is showing or feeling a lack of concern about or interest in something. Uh, and usually, you know, I plan out my topics uh, the day before what I'm gonna say. Uh, and then, you know, right before the show, uh, when I start uh, it going, I'll make sure everything's in order. If something has come up the morning of, uh, that is newsworthy. I will throw that in there as well to talk about. Uh, but the benefit of kind of going over the topics the night before is I can kind of initiate some conversations about what I'm about to say uh, with my family, uh, get some reaction to it. Like when I say Giannis is the best player on the planet, the Bucks, you know, are going to win. The Grizzlies are for real. Tom Brady's the goat. And I like to get their reaction, and I genuinely feel a lack of concern about how they feel about my uh, opinions. That, you know, what I say, it's facts over feelings, so I'm unbothered, you know, by the reaction uh, that I get or what I say. And I'm going to keep on doing it. So this is no no longer a get your go. This is Unbothered with Josh Morani. Now today, I'm going to be talking about the international football games that were announced this morning. DeAndre Hopkins, six-game suspension. Teams with the best drafts, post-draft power rankings. And then I'm going to get into some NBA, Celtics, and Grizzlies both even up their series yesterday, and then take a look tonight to the 76ers Heat and the Mavs Suns. And then also, I laid out my playoff prediction Sunday, so I am officially going to give it uh, to you guys today. So let's get started with the international games that will be being placed in other countries. I'm going to start off with the Seahawks and Buccaneers, the first game that will be taking place uh, in Germany, Seahawks, Buccaneers. This is a very intriguing game. Definitely think the Buccaneers are going to win this one. That's just an early uh, reaction to that. And But I do think it will be a great game. I think the Seahawks in the draft have improved from where they were uh, last year. I really do. I think they have more of an identity now. They have more of a plan. Uh, but I think the Buccaneers are going to be too too much for them. It's going to be a great uh, game internationally uh, in Germany uh, and in the big old soccer stadium. So that's definitely going to be a fun one to watch. And again, two teams that don't play each other a lot. Another one, Viking Saints being taken place in London. These are two teams who are familiar with each other. Uh, you know, kind of the last memorable game between those two. You know, they played again this year, but the year before, they played on Christmas. Uh, And Alvin Kamara has six touchdowns that game. Uh, And since it was a Christmas Day game, that was kind of the Fantasy League Championship as well. And he won a lot of people, a Fantasy League Championship, including myself, so... I think this one will be great. Uh, Vikings, I think, have saved the same Saints defense has improved, which I'll be talking about. Like the Saints in this one. Giants-Packers. Packers Packers are also going across the pond uh, to play the Giants. Uh, Giants, I thought, had a really good draft. Now they're playing the Packers, who have sort of regressed this year. Uh, So they, you know, people in London will see them. then. Broncos, Jaguars, you know, the usual team that gets flown over there is the Jaguars, but they do get a cross, uh, conference opponent in the Denver Broncos. The new look Broncos led by Russell Wilson should be good. And I think this is great because the teams we usually send over there are the Jaguars, the Falcons, uh, you know, teams that, you know, Dolphins just in like this is really. If we want to pump up American football across uh, to different countries and we're sending them most teams, ain't going to do it. But now we're sending them our the best. Tom Brady, and the Buccaneers, uh, and the New Orleans Saints champions, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, Russell Wilson and the Broncos. So definitely going to be better uh games this year around much more interesting especially living on the west coast it's like getting up at 6 30 to watch the jags and the falcons play ain't that enticing but i'll get up at 6 30 watch the seahawks buccaneers or the giants packers broncos russell wilson i'll watch those then another game being played outside of the country in mexico mexico city is a monday night game that is between the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. That's definitely going to be a great game, uh, considering that DeAndre Hopkins will be back from his suspension, which I'll be talking about very shortly. Uh, but also, uh, that the 49ers have had trouble with the Arizona Cardinals as of late, uh, and the Cardinals. Now have Marquise Hollywood-Brown. The 49ers, the turmoil is Debo Samuel going to say. They haven't traded Jimmy Garoppolo. Is Trey Lance officially going to be the starter? So a lot of question marks. But this is a team that went to the NFC Championship game and was on the brink of going to the Super Bowl if Jarquisky Tart does not drop an interception. So five international games. Five, I think... Great games in terms of interest and, uh, watchability. I'm going to rank them this way from five being least, uh, you know, watchable to number one. I'm going to do five Giants Packers, four Broncos Jaguars, three Vikings Saints, two 49ers Cardinals, and one Seahawks Buccaneers. Next up is DeAndre Hopkins, staying on the theme of the Cardinals, getting a six game suspension uh, for violating the league's substance rule, abusing that rule uh, using PED. So he is suspended six games. So what does this mean for the Arizona Cardinals? Well, if you look at uh, Kyler Murray's numbers with. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, a verse without him, you just look at last year when they started off the year seven and zero. Then he sort of gets injured uh, against the Packers in that last game, misses a couple games, uh, comes back against the Rams, uh, gets re-injured, and you know two and six was Kyler Murray. His QBR drops down from a 62 to about a 46. So uh, it does take a hit. It is a big deal that that happened. But what I do think is it's good that they got Marquise Brown. I don't know if they kind of knew uh, that was happening because the trade feels so perfect, you know, I was talking about them as a great one-two punch, but Marquise Brown's going to have to shoulder that workload for the first six weeks. And I think it will benefit uh, the Cardinals as well, because DeAndre Hopkins, you know, has been a receiver the past couple of years uh, to battle injuries and, you know, sitting out the first six games. He should be fully healthy. Hopefully this isn't a Ben Simmons thing where, you know, he can't come back after the first six games, but no, he'll be back healthy, which means he can play the season longer, uh, hopefully be more beneficial to the Cardinals uh, down the stretch there, and hopefully uh, instead of finishing seasons on a losing record, losing streak, sort of a collapse, uh, the Harvey Dent that you will, where one half of the season is great, the second half is poor. Hopefully, the second half is much better for them getting back DeAndre Hopkins to pair with Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz, got the number one tight end of the draft, and Trey McBride. So, Rondale Moore, an emerging star. So, I think the Arizona Cardinals will be just fine if they can stay at bay. In those first six games, uh I think if they go four and two, that would be great. Anything above that would be a success. three and three I think is the absolute minimum you can go. Anything less than that is probably going to be a lost cause for the rest of the season. Now moving on to the New Orleans Saints who have signed Tyran Matthew on a three year. $33 million contract. Love this signing. Absolutely love it. I thought this would happen. Uh, Tyran Matthew, hometown kid out of Louisiana. Star Bear LSU is now returning home after the Kansas City Chiefs, who I have rooted for over the past four years, five years, have no longer valued Tyran Matthew and what he brings to the defense. Letting him walk and move on. So the Saints signed him. They also signed Marcus May, safety for the from the Jets, to pair with him. Two very versatile safeties back there. And then if you just look at the corner, Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, got Cam Jordan, Demario Davis. This is a very very good defense and the value that they signed him on again three years thirty three million eleven million a year and when he is one of the top safeties and when you look at the safety market Jamal Adams and a seventeen and a half million dollar contract that the Seahawks gave him on a year basis this is great value considering Tyran Matthew is worlds above Jamal Adams orbiting him so to get him at this Much of a discount. It's tremendous value for the New York Saints. This is a smart deal. It's a friendly deal, and it shows that they are going to compete. They are going all in on defense. To me, a lot of this roster checks out with the uh, running back and Alvin Kamara is a star. They drafted Chris Olave to pair with Michael Thomas. Uh, They drafted their uh, Taron Armstead replacement in the draft. The defense, like I said, has playmakers all over it. The only spot is quarterback. I'm not sold on Jameis Winston. I am not sold on Trevor Simeon. Taysom Hill being utilized as sort of the Swiss Army knife. But for the Saints to sign Tyron Matthew, it's still a big deal. But now that the NFL draft is officially over, I'm going to give you my top five teams I thought had the best drafts. Number five, the Buffalo Bills. Why? Because they addressed needs and they got good prospects. They didn't overreach, try to find some diamond in the rough. They took the best player available at the position that they wanted. With their first pick, they got Kair Elam, cornerback out of Florida, who is great. It was proven uh, that last year they had a tremendous defense, tremendous defense. Uh, but in that loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, their secondary, especially their corners, were torched. Tredavious White was not in. He's recovering from an ACL injury. Hopefully he is back. But if he comes back healthy, a young Kyere Elam, you can hopefully have a great secondary one-two punch cornerback sort of system there. I thought that was a great pick. Then with the second pick they selected, James Cook running back out of Georgia. This is a pick I liked a lot. Uh, Didn't know who James Cook was. You know, Alabama shut him down. But when he played Michigan in that semifinal game, he had himself a day. Very elusive back. Uh, Plays just like his brother. Dalvin Cook, and I think the Bills are banking on him being a Dalvin Cook 2.0. And it fits. I thought it was a good pick because Devin Singletary, even though he's improved a bit, has not inspired much confidence. Zach Moss, I don't believe he's going to be a top running back at all in this league. So drafting James Cook is a really good pick. And then they drafted wide receiver Khalil Shakir. Another need that they needed. They don't need him to be a star. They got Stephon Diggs. Uh, but Cole Beasley, no longer part of a team. They need some uh, wide receiver to work out of the slots. So you can factor Khalil in there, Emmanuel Sanders. Um, you got Gabriel Davis. It's just more weapons for uh, Josh Allen. Very, very uh, good pick by the Buffalo Bills. And overall, a great draft, which is why they are at number five on my list. Number four, the Philadelphia Eagles. Didn't have a ton of draft picks, but they made the most of it. Used one of their draft picks to trade for A.J. Brown. I will take that because there was no wide receiver when the pick came to them. So they got a premium upgrade there at wide receiver to pair with Devontae Smith. They got the best nose tackle in the draft. Jordan Davis, uh, who, again, just admire his size, ultimate run-stopper. He is going to be great for the Philadelphia Eagles. Then you got, I thought, one of the best linebackers, who I thought was going to be a first-round pick in the Kobe Dean. Fall all the way to the third round right into your lap, and you draft him, uh, who is just athleticism. Great tackling, that's all he does, uh, fast, quick at the linebacker position. Philadelphia Eagles had a tremendous draft, again, not a of draft capital, but they made the most out of it, uh, hit good picks there with Jordan Davis to Kobe Dean, the A.J. Brown trade, very, very good draft for them. Number three, the New York Jets. Jets knew what they were doing this year. They knew they had one of the worst defenses uh, and the worst pass defense in the league. So at their pick, they get the best cornerback available in a mod Sauce Gardner. Then with the 10th pick, uh, they go out and select Garrett Wilson, wide receiver out of Ohio State. Arguably the best wide receiver in the draft. I don't think he is. Uh, But a lot of people thought he was great. He was great last year with Ohio State. So they're banking on that to pair with Elijah Moore. Then they use some of their draft capital to trade for Jermaine Johnson in the first round, get the 27th pick and select him. Uh, So, again, tremendous first round. Then they select Brees Hall in the second round, the top-rated running back prospect out of Ohio State. So, you know... According to the experts, the analysis, they get an arguably number one cornerback, number one wide receiver, uh, number one running back, and a top five edge rusher with Jermaine Johnson. The Jets had an awesome, awesome draft. Shout out there to Joe Douglas, the general manager. Number two, the Detroit Lions, I thought had a tremendous draft. Aiden Hutchinson who was the consensus draft number one for months, slid to the lines at number two, so they got the best defensive prospect, who, according to the oddsmakers, is the favorite for defensive player of the year. Then they hit a home run trade, uh, trading up to the 12th pick and selecting Jamison Williams, who I thought was the best wide receiver in the draft. If he doesn't tear his ACL in the championship game, he probably would have been the number one wide receiver Off the board. Then the Lions select more defense, which they need. Josh Pascal, defensive end from Kentucky, to pair him with uh, Aiden Hutchinson. I think will be great. Kirby Joseph, safety number one. Graded safety from pro football focus. uh, Blocking tight end and James Mitchell, which is good because TJ Hawkinson is not uh, the best blocking tight end. Great receiving tight end. Uh, but blocking leaves a lot to be desired, uh, and he also has health concerns, so James Mitchell, I think, can fill a void of there as well. And then number one was the Baltimore Ravens. who Kyle Hamilton was the number one ranked safety in the draft. Uh, some people had him going as high as number three, slid all the way down to the Ravens at 14, so, great value there for that pick. Then they trade their number, then they trade, my bad, they trade Marquise Brown, their wide receiver, for a number one, another pick. So, like Tyler Linderbaum, but number one rated center in the draft to shore up the offensive line as well. Uh, and they actually, when they traded that number one pick, it was still the 23 pick, and they traded down again to get extra draft capital. They spend it on the defense, so again, it proves... Baltimore Ravens are really good at drafting. These are teams that I thought had the best drafts: the Buffalo Bills, the Philadelphia Eagles, the New York Jets, the Detroit Lions, and the Baltimore Ravens. Other great drafts I thought were the uh Houston Texans. I getting Derek Stingley, I thought was good. Seattle Seahawks clearly focusing on the offensive line. Uh, was good as well. One team that I thought that had a surprising draft was the New England Patriots, who drafted Cole Strange in the first round. Sean McVay poking a little fun at that, thinking he'd be there in the third round for when they select their comp- uh, compensatory selection. Uh, so they were laughing at that. And again, that pick just summarizes what I thought was the draft by the New England Patriots. Very strange that Tech, who wasn't a high-graded prospect to go in the first round. Also drafting a quarterback, Bailey Zappi. Interesting that they have Mac Jones on the roster. So it is all very interesting what the Patriots are doing. Don't think Bill Belichick is a genius. Uh, the genius was always Tom Brady. Bill Belichick is not that guy. Uh, that's why they got mocked by the Buffalo Bills in the wild card game. And that's why they're no longer the number one team in the division. is because of bad drafting, not only this year, but in previous years as well. But now that we're done with the draft, there's not much left. So I have my post-draft power rankings. Now, I love doing power rankings do them on a week-to-week basis in the season. Uh, Then I kind of do a pre-agency one, and now I'll do a post-draft, and then my next one for NFL will be preseason. But my post-draft power rankings are number five Denver Broncos. Why? Well, they went out and signed Russell Wilson this year. They drafted offensive linemen uh, to kind of shore up what was left you know, any kind of holes that they needed. Didn't have a ton of picks because of that trade with Russell, but they did try to find some things. I think they can find viable starters, which they did. Uh, Wide receiver core is really good with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, uh, Tim Patrick. Defense, uh, Bradley Chubb, uh, Patrick Sertan, uh, Justin Simmons. So this team Loaded, good coach offensive mind. And Nathaniel Hackett, it's his first year, but I think he'll be great. Uh, Denver Broncos, to me, are number five. Number four, the Los Angeles Rams. Why? Well, they're the defending Super Bowl champions. Again, they traded a lot of their draft picks for uh, Matthew Stafford, accomplished a mission. They traded other ones for... Uh, Von Miller, who is now gone, but the nucleus stays the same. Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. They also traded back for Troy Hill, very good slot corner. So that benefits them. They drafted offensive linemen to replace uh, retired Andrew Whitworth and their right guard. So we'll see if the offensive line will be as good as it was last year when they were one of the best in pass protection since Los Angeles Rams are a very pass-heavy team. Number three, Cincinnati Bengals. Why? Well, they barely lost in the Super Bowl last year. They lost because the offensive line was in shambles. This year, they already addressed that through free agency signing center Ted Karras, going out and getting Lyell Collins, the guard Tapa from the Bucks. So then what do they do the draft? They focus on defense. They get uh, Dax Hill from Michigan, who I like a lot, who can be played in a hybrid safety slot corner role, uh, which was needed after Eli Apple got torched in the Super Bowl. So very, very smart move there uh, by the Bengals, also drafting linebackers and just shoring up uh, defensive pieces because I think that offense is tremendous. It'll be just fine. So the Bengals drafted what they needed and improved number two the tampa bay buccaneers well when the goat returns you're automatically going to be in the top five are you not uh didn't do as much as i wanted to in the draft uh selected a couple tight ends i thought was surprising because i do expect rock to return uh they saw conversations going they selected a defensive tackle however i would have liked another outside linebacker to pair with Shaq Barrett, I don't know if JPP is coming back, but I do want more speed off the edge. You know, a dynamic pass rush uh, is what I want. I thought they were a little slow and stagnant at times last year. Uh, And also just secondary as well. Never be too safe uh, with that. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still number two. Because of the moves they made with Tom Brady and retiring, uh, the signing of Russell Gage, Logan Ryan, a lot of good moves they did free agency. And number one, the Buffalo Bills. These are the they were swapped from my last power rankings edition because I thought the Buffalo Bills had a better draft, which I just outlined them getting their cornerback, uh, running back, you know, wide receiver, a couple linebackers. They are shoring up any issues. They are loading up. They feel they are the team to beat and, you know, feel bad for them. You know, the first year, you know, got walloped by Kansas City. Really no match, but this past year, you know, heartbreaking loss in overtime uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs. They're trying to ensure that does not happen yet again for a third time. Buffalo Bills are taking proper precautions. A right draft, right free agency moves, signing Von Miller, Buffalo Bills, very good team. So those are my top five teams post-draft, Denver Broncos, Los Angeles Rams, Cincinnati Bengals, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Buffalo Bills. Now moving on to the NBA. Starting with last night's celtics win against the Milwaukee Bucks. I picked the Milwaukee Bucks to win this series. They win game one. Game two goes to Boston. We are at a game apiece. Last night, great shooting night by Boston. 46.5 from three-point land and just 47.5 from a field. A much improvement from Game 1, when they shot 33% from the field and 36%. Got to give them props for winning the game last night. Jalen Brown had a great game, 30 points, 6 of 10 from 3-point range. Jason Tatum, 29 points. Grant Williams, spectacular, off the bench with 21. Boston was terrific. Milwaukee's defensive strategy stayed the same. Build the wall inside force them to take three-point shots, which is why, you know, they took more three-point shots than two-point shots. It's a trend that's continued. Game one, that was the case. Game two, that was the case. But I don't think this is sustainable by Boston. Game one, they didn't knock down any of the shots that they took on the perimeter. Yesterday, they cannot not be stopped. So I think game three will be a game in the middle, it'll be more of a mean average, and I expect Milwaukee to win. Giannis has not been efficient this series; He's put up his points 28 yesterday, but coming on 27 shots is not good enough, and again, people that made shots the first game uh, for Milwaukee did not make shots yesterday. Grayson Allen uh, didn't take as many shots. Uh, P.J. Tucker uh, is, or my bad, uh, Bobby Portis, uh, Wesley Matthews. So Giannis tried to do it all himself. Uh, that's not going to get a gun. Both teams have built a wall inside. You're kicking it out and you're relying on your shooters. Fortunately for Boston, their best players are their shooters, which is, uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Uh, Grant Williams and for the Bucks, their best player is not their shooter. Giannis, uh, their role players are the shooters. So you're expecting more out of your role players than you are in Boston. So again, this is a very tight series. I take the Bucks to win in seven. I'm still picking the Bucks to win. I think they can go to game two, even and out. I think Giannis will be more efficient. He's going to be at home now. All they needed to do with steel one game in Boston, they did exactly that. I expect Milwaukee, uh, to be better because Milwaukee is just a consistent team led by Mike Budenholzer. They are just the level of consistency. Uh, they reflect him. They reflect uh, their coach, and I think he is a terrific coach. Uh, I think Milwaukee is a better team. Uh, you know, games, you know, one same thing went to the Bucks. Game two, same thing went to the Celtics. We'll see what happens in game three. But I still like the Bucks in the series. I am not backing down. Then in the Warriors Grizzlies game, the Grizzlies, 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 Grizzlies won game two. John Morant was sensational last night. Went off for 47. He's been sensational in these two games. This is why I picked the Memphis Grizzlies to win this series. is because in the regular season, the Memphis Grizzlies uh, dominated the season series against Golden State. John Morant was tremendous in those games. Wasn't great against the Timberwolves. I'll give credit to their defense, but Steph Curry can't defend. Jordan Poole can't defend him. Klay Thompson, I'm sorry, can't defend John Morant. They're a defensive liability, and John Morant was spectacular. Last four minutes, John Morant took over the game, scored the remaining 15 points, went on the run by himself. To end it with sensational, you know, going to his left, going to his right, the step-back jumper as well. And when he, you know, he doesn't get going from three like a Steph does, making seven, eight, or maybe nine threes at times, he's more of the, you know, we saw game one, four of ten yesterday, five of twelve, where you have to just respect his shot. Uh, And when you have that, when you got Clay Thompson then having to guard him a little more closely, with how quickly Job ja Morant is, how fast he is, you've been zip right by you. Again, sensational. Uh and this happened, you know, you just put the team on his back. Desmond Bain, who was terrific against the Timberwolves, was the reason why they won. Has not been effective in this series, dealing with kind of a, a lingering back issue. Jaron Jackson fouled out. Uh, Dylan Brooks, flagrant foul two, in uh, the first three minutes of the game, so he was ejected, which I thought was a joke. That that was a flagrant two. I get flagrant one, but I thought you know he was going for the ball. He was a step late, so he ended up brushing his head. But you could tell he was going for the ball. He makes accidental contact with the head. This was not the windup, the uh, you know head shot or anything like that, cheap shot. So I thought it was an absolute joke that that was called a flagrant two, flagrant one, but really a flagrant two on that. And of course, you know, the byproduct of the foul was Gary Payton broke his elbow. Was it Dylan Brooks' fault? No, because Gary Payton was not that high up in the air. Uh, And then bracing his fall, he locks out his whole arm, which leads to him breaking his elbow. You know, he should have just landed on his shoulder, uh, had a bruise, but he he wasn't that high up where it was like, wow, or, you know, where he gets flipped over uh, at all, like some kind of, bicycle kick windmill type soccer move that's not how it was so I did not think that deserved a flagrant two but Ja put the team on his back where Steph Curry came up short from three three of 11 Klay Thompson was even worse two for 12 and 12 points uh Gary Payton has been the primary defender on Ja Morant starts because of that uh he won't be starting, but now they really have a defensive liability. Jordan Poole was not efficient last night either. Twenty points that came on sixteen shots. So we'll see how uh, this goes, how this series goes. I think it's going to be great. Uh, you know, after game one, you know, John missed an easy layup. Uh, said it was a shot I missed. He said Steph Curry came over to him and said, "You know, this is going to be some fun." John Morant returned the favor and said the same thing. Walking by him mid court after, but when yesterday said, "Yeah, this is going to be some. We're going to have some fun." So, I love this intensity. I love that the stars are talking trash to each other. It's Steph on Ja. It's Ja and Steph. It's not Steph targeting Damian Lee or Kevon Looney or you know the other way around. Draymond Green targeting Melton. It's you know the stars are talking trash to the stars, which I like. And I'm about to talk about one star who's ducking it uh, in just a minute. But that was great. Draymond Green booed, flips off the crowd, expects to get fined. I thought that was a lazy move by Draymond Green. You're going to get booed. And the reason for you getting booed is because of your flagrant two on Clark in game one. Where you not only punched him in the face, grabbed his jersey, and brought him down, flying to the ground. That's why they were booing you. They weren't trying to get nasty with you. They were booing you for your nasty play because you are the dirtiest player in the NBA. You've elbowed multiple people. You have cheap shot multiple people as well in the groin area. You have a flagrant 2 master technical foul. Master, you are the dirtiest player in the league. So get nasty. You're always nasty. I don't want to hear that, you know, the fans were going to nasty. It's a parade of booze. Are you that soft? You're going to flip them off? You know, I thought Draymond Green had thicker skin. Apparently he doesn't if booze are getting to him. If booze are getting to people now, we had Baker Mayfield. Say that the boo's got to him. He wanted he wants to go into people's cubicle at work and start booing them. Uh, and now Draymond Green is fine flipping people off after he gets booed. That's really bothering you. Out of anything that somebody could say or do to you, the boo is going to flip you off. Really? I mean, come on, Draymond. It's upsetting. Uh, that he does that, I'm fine with banter back and forth. But if somebody, if I were to flip somebody off of him booing me, really? That just shows how soft you are. Uh, don't think that's the way to handle it at all. Uh, now, you know, the same thing's gonna be expected in Golden State. I think they're gonna boo Dylan Brooks because of the flagrant two that he got. Uh, this past game, but I don't expect Dylan Brooks to flip the Warriors fans off. Dylan Brooks, I think, I believe, has thicker skin. He's going to be the bigger man. I thought Draymond Green was the bigger man, but he's not. Uh, This Warriors team has just turned soft. Draymond Green, Steve Kerr, telling Brooks to get the F out of here after the flagrant two foul call. He broke the code. What code? I mean, a team is just so sad. It's so sorry. It whines all the time. Uh, that's all they do is whine, whine, and whine again. It's tiring. I'm sick of them. Uh, they weren't whining in Cleveland. When Brian was telling them to get the, you know, what out of my face, they were fine with it then. But now, all of a sudden, they're playing a bunch of kids in Memphis. And they're suddenly not fine. That's why I picked Memphis to win. They're more cool. They have the composure. I like Memphis. I like that they evened up this game. One thing I want to see them work on is the turnovers, less turnovers. Uh, 12 yesterday, I want to see less turnovers. And they are a better defensive team, especially around the glass. Their biggest guy is Kevon Looney, who doesn't start. So when it's Draymond Green, Jaron Jackson is bigger. He can get the boards. Brandon Clark can get the boards. They're a bigger team. I Mm. want to see them out-rebound. But Grizzlies, I still expect to win this series. And now tonight, 76ers in the Heat. I'm picking the Heat to win this game. Picked him to win the series and got no problem with it. No Joel Embiid for this game as well. And the very lackluster James Harden. Where game one, the eyes were on James Harden. And Tobias Harris led the team in points. Shots taken, 27 points on 18 shots. Tyrese Maxey was two, nineteen points, 15 shots. James Harden... 16 points on 13 shots. It seems like he's always the third best player on the team. Uh, when uh, it was Joel Embiid, you know, it was Joel Embiid, Maxie Harden. Now Tobias Harris has stepped up in a role. James Harden has not stepped up throughout this playoffs uh, at all. He had the one good game against the Raptors. But against the Heat, how good they are defensively, what they did to Trey Young, you know, uh, what they do to James Harden. Uh, it's physical, and he just whines. He cries after every bit of contact that he does not get called for. He never uh, goes back to play defense. He throws his arms up in the air, and then it's always a five on four the next possession. And it gets tiring to watch that because it, it's just play the game. If a foul is not called, why do you get so upset and heated? That's why I love Giannis because when he attacks the rim, misses a shot, doesn't get the foul call. He does not stand there with his arms in the air for 20 minutes. Uh, he goes back on the defensive end to play harder, to block the shot, you know, to send the message. And that is not what James Harden does. That's why I have a lot of respect for Giannis. And tonight... Tyler Hero, who just won 6 man of the year congratulations, who had a great game one against the Philadelphia 76ers. I expect him to have a tremendous game again tonight. Jimmy Butler, I don't even know if Kyle Lowry needs to play this series. He can probably take the whole series off, rest up for the conference finals, because it's a wrap. Miami's winning the series. If Joel Embiid doesn't play a game, I believe Miami will get swept. Miami is a better team through and through. Second game on tonight, the Mavericks and the Suns. And I am picking the Mavericks to win this game. I picked the Suns to win this series in seven, but I think the Mavericks can win game one because of their grit, their toughness. Luka Doncic got whatever he wanted. That first game dropped 45 points uh I don't believe the supporting cast will be as bad as they were in that first game uh where Finney Smith 15 points Bullock 7 Brunson 13 uh so Dinwiddie 8 I think the supporting cast will be better and I think they steal this game I'm still picking the Suns I wouldn't be surprised if the Suns win this game uh But I like Dallas. I like Luka. You're not going to put Chris Paul on Luka and expect Chris Paul to lock up Luka Doncic. That's not how it works. So I'm picking the Mavericks. But I just want to say this. How I just talked about John Morant going after Steph Curry. I have an exception to Devin Booker in his technical foul from game one where and he blocked a shot on Jalen Brunson and decided to talk a load of trash to him. You know, blast obscenities, which is why, uh, obscene language, which is why he got that technical foul. Devin Booker, you're supposed to be a superstar in this league. You are. So, I want to see you do that. They only have one superstar on the Mavericks. It's Luka Doncic, not Jalen Brunson. It's expected for you to lock up Jalen Brunson. That shouldn't be an issue. But I have people talking down to people that aren't in their league. Jalen Brunson ain't in the same league as Devin Booker. So if you're going to talk trash, how about you talk trash to Luka? And you couldn't do it because Luka dropped a 45 piece on your head. So please. Direct the trash talk to the best player. If you're the best player on your team, which I believe you are, go talk trash to Luka. It's it's Ja talking to Steph. It's Steph talking to Ja. That's what I want to see, you know, be better. And then also with Jay Crowder nut another Mavericks player, got a flagrant one. Should have been a flagrant two and got tossed because – That was a necessary contact, cheap shot artist that he is, Jay Crowder. This is what makes me dislike the Phoenix Suns already more than I. Dislike them or acts like this if they do. Uh, And again, you know, Devin Booker talks to the refs a lot. Uh, So again, the Phoenix Suns, very, very annoying to watch. Now, a lot of people talk after rest, after miss calls Luka Doncic is another one of these victims as well, which is why I enjoy watching the Giannis of the League, the John Morantz people that don't continually whine every single time they get touched going into the paint. Now I'm going to go in final part of this podcast NHL playoff predictions. I'm going to start with the West, Colorado Avalanche, and the Nashville Predators. I'm going with the Nashville. I mean, my bad. Colorado Avalanche, best team of West, best team for a large part of the season, arguably the best team even though the Hurricanes wrapped up the Presidents Trophy. I am picking the Avalanche to beat the Nashville Predators. Minnesota Wild and St. Louis Blues. I'm picking the Minnesota Wild to win this game or win this series. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, Dumba, this team I thought were very, very good, very strong uh, down the stretch here. I believe Minnesota will win this series. Calgary Flames and the Dallas Stars. Again, Calgary Flames, too much firepower for the Stars. I think the Stars have a great team. Great lineup with Joe Pavelski and them. To me, they're just an older team. Calgary is a bit younger. I like them to win this series. Edmonton Oilers, LA Kings. I like the Kings. Not sold on the Oilers, who have just been the epitome of disappointments in the postseason. I believe another postseason disappointment is yet to come, which is why I'm picking the LA Kings. I am not sold on Connor McDavid as the... Bona fide superstar in this league, where he has not got to an Eastern Conference Finals, or in Conference Finals at all in his career. I'm picking yet again against the Connor McDavid, which I always tend to do, and more times than right, more times than I am right. I'd pick the Kings. Then in the West, Florida Panthers, Washington Capitals. I'm picking the Florida Panthers. You know. This is a very tough matchup because the Washington Capitals are a very, very good team with experience. Florida Panthers are not an experienced team, but they have the talent, best offensive team this year. I believe that can do it if they can win this series. Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay Lightning have been here before. Toronto Maple Leafs have not won a first-round playoff series in like 20 years, so... I'm picking the Maple Leafs. I don't know if it's just foolish that I want them to break with curse that Austin Matthews had a 60 goal season it has been terrific. Mitch Marner. or if I just really don't want to see the Lightning anymore for the rest of my lifetime advance in the playoffs, it could be a factor of both those playing into it. Um, and I'm picking uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins. I'm picking Boston, Carolina a better offensive team, but I think Boston is better defensively. I trust their goaltending. I trust them in clutch situations more than I trust Carolina. I'm picking Boston, and Carolina has had fits with Boston in the playoffs before. I like Boston. Then the New York Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Of course I'm picking my Pittsburgh Penguins. There ain't no way I'm picking the New York Rangers, and this could be my team's the band's last go around together with Latang, Malkin, and Crosby. This could be it. I think they want to go out as long as it can. Malkin says they just want to have fun. Let's go out, have some fun, win this series. Then in the second round, I have Avalanche in the Minnesota Wild. You know, I think the Avalanche want to avenge their uh, loss from earlier. I think the Avalanche beat the Minnesota Wilds. I think it's a good series, especially with marc Andre Fleury, who is the Avalanche killer. I could see Minnesota Wilds winning this series if Fleury can steal a couple games, but I do think Avalanche. They're determined. They win. Get to the Western Conference Finals. Then there is the Calgary Flames and the LA Kings. The LA Kings. I believe, will also win this series as well. Calgary Flames, I am not buying them uh, at all as this great team. Uh, LA Kings have the experience. The RJ Kopitar, the Dowdy. This is Dustin Brown's last run. I like the Kings to advance past the Flames to the Western Conference Finals to play the Avalanche. Then in the East, the Panthers and the Maple Leafs. I like the Maple Leafs if they can make it out of the first round. This is a very dangerous team. It's just them exercising those postseason demons of the past twenty years. And again, not every one of these players has been with them. They've been with them for you know the past five, maybe postseason blunders, but they haven't been with them a full twenty. I like the Maple Leafs to beat the Panthers. Then I got the Bruins and the Penguins. Very tough matchup between both uh, gold and black teams, but again, I'm picking the Pittsburgh Penguins to beat Boston. Very tight, close series. Uh, but I'll take the Sidney Crosby, Brian Russ, Jake Gensel line over the Patrice Bergeron, uh, Posternak, uh, and Marshon line as well. And hopefully by then I get Tristan Jari back, who will be a major X factor if his foot is healed. By the time of that series, then there is the Avalanche and the Kings. I expect the Kings kind of nice run to end here to the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, again, Colorado Avalanche has a star power, but Nathan McKinnon, the Landis Gogniz, and Kadri has been great. Uh, McCarr, one of the best defensemen in the league, they advance to the Stanley Cup finals where they will then play every winner of the Maple Leafs Pittsburgh series. And again, this would be a tremendous series, but Pittsburgh has the advantage due to the postseason experience before uh, and also in regular season matchups. But Pittsburgh has got the better of this team as well. I expect Sidney Crosby uh, in this team to outduel uh, the John Tavares led group here. Pittsburgh beats the Maple Leafs and sets up a Colorado Pittsburgh Finals. Now, this would be very interesting. Colorado beat Pittsburgh in both. Uh, Matchups this year. However, this is Stanley Cup. I expect it to be closer. To me, this is a seven game series. Again, my brain says to pick the Colorado Avalanche, but my heart tells me to pick the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm going with my heart, the Pittsburgh Penguins, to beat the Colorado Avalanche in one last glory run with the Big Three to beat the Colorado Avalanche, Big Three, and they end up just short in. They look back and say, dang, what more do we need to do to actually win something? Sidney Crosby gets his fourth. Geno gets his fourth. Letang gets his fourth. Uh, Sidney Crosby is cemented as a top five player of all time. Gets the respect that he finally deserves and the respect that he sadly doesn't get right now. ESPN NHL gave out their top 50 players of this postseason. Crosby ranked nineteen. Which is to me one of the biggest atrocities you know I have ever read when it comes to you know the top 50 players in the in the postseason it's just its a, it's terrible. Uh, if you want to go on season, there's some seasons that's been great. I'll give you an Austin Matthews, but if you're going to tell me you're going to take Alexander Barkov over Sidney Crosby, you're going to tell me Jonathan Huberdo. Sebastian Ajo, Kirill Kaprizov, Steven Stankos, Mika Zabinajad, Braden Point, Johnny Goodrow over Sidney Crosby. Again, he does not get the respect that he deserves, and he is simply amazing. It's it's crazy. I don't know who's working over Baird doing these lists, but it is insane. And again, I just want to you know, yesterday, crazy Penguins-Rangers game. Penguins won 4-3 to three in a third overtime. Igor Shosturkin, I'll give props to him, was great. Second most saves ever. 79 saves on 84 shots. Close to the mark, uh, I believe, Corpus solo set uh, for the Blue Jackets against the Lightning. I don't think it was last year. I think it was two years ago where he made like 88 saves. Chesterkin was simply brilliant, but the Penguins in overtime were just peppering him with shots. And this was, I thought, the formula for Pittsburgh if they were going to win this series. It wasn't that uh, the goaltending, a goaltending matchup like that first game they played in the regular season. It was Pittsburgh avoiding being a defensive team and just shooting shot after shot, controlling the tempo of the game in the offensive zone. Pittsburgh did exactly that and got the win. So great performance there. And then tonight there's four games, so I'm going to pick them. Bruins Hurricanes, I picked Bruins to win the series. Carolina's up 1-0. Need Boston to get the win here. I believe they do even up this series tonight in Carolina. Lightning and Maple Leafs. I think Maple Leafs, who just dominated the Lightning, shut them out 5-0 in that first game. They kind of turned heads and said, hey, maybe this Maple Leafs team is for real. I like it. I like what they can do. I like the Maple Leafs to win this game tonight. And then Blues Wild, St. Louis stole game one. I believe Minnesota is a better team. Their offense was not there. Again, this was a team that took the Golden Knights to seven games last year uh, and lost. But Minnesota is resilient. Kirill Kaprizov is great. Minnesota Wild uh, get the win tonight, even up the series. And then Kings-Oilers tonight. I picked the Kings to win the series. They won the first game 1-0. However, I do expect the Oilers to bounce back, even though Edmonton is a tremendous playoff disappointment. I do think that Edmonton will win this game tonight, and it will be a very close series, even though I'm picking the Kings to win it. So this has been unbothered with Josh Morani. Hope you all enjoy the slight redesign, same authentic content that it is. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.